Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And probably no other time am I most hungry for him is when I'm facing a decision that I need to make in my life that will, once made, cost a lot of money or cost a direction change in my life or most all of my decisions will affect another person, which would be my wife, at least in our personal life, let alone as your shepherd and the one who might lead you. And so when I'm facing those decisions like that, I am most hungry for the Lord because it's at those times I want to make sure I don't make the wrong decision because making the right one, there'll be blessings either here or in heaven. Things go better when I do it God's way. But I've also had a life when I didn't seek God and I made the wrong decision and the consequences, frankly, are probably still in my life today as reminders, or we might just say the scars. I'm healed, but they're scars for me to look at, to remember, and be reminded that I need to seek the Lord. And so James was speaking to an audience that had their life pretty much in need of tremendous wisdom to make the right decision. These were people that were scattered all over the countryside. They were trying to restart their life wherever they were, and they knew that tons of decisions had to be made from where to live and what kind of crops to grow and what about the animals and what do we do with our kids and how do we protect ourselves from the elements or enemies. And so they were all facing this. And he was speaking to a particular group were believers, and now he was going to begin to show them how do they make the right decision. And so I'm so excited about opening up this passage of Scripture because I really think that life is all about making decisions. In fact, every single day we're going to make a string of decisions that at the end of our life, it'll really show to the world our ability to make good or bad decisions because that's what life is all about. And so I'm glad to come alongside you to let you know that there is a book that will show us how to make the right decision that will be the decision God really wants us to make so we can have the right decisions in our life and have the blessings from it. I'm reminded of a young businessman who went to an executive one day and he asked for that great executive's wisdom. And he says, what's the secret to business success? And the wise man said this, well, you get business success from wise decisions. And so the young man said, uh, how can I make wise decisions? And the older man said, very simple, experience. And so the young man then said, how do you get experience? He said, for making dumb decisions. Well, I think there's some truth in that that some of us are now a little bit wiser because we've made the wrong decisions and we've allowed those wrong decisions as teachable moments for us to then do it right the next time. So should you be sitting here today or listening to me and you're feeling like, man, I am living in so much guilt because I made wrong choices, I do want you to know that you can still, how can I say, um, gain something from that so it doesn't have to totally sabotage you for the rest of your life. But then again, let's learn how to make the right decision since life is so much made up of these types of things. It wouldn't surprise me that perhaps even today you are having to make a decision. Some of you might be making some decisions on how you're going to spend some of your money beyond just paying for your mortgage. Some of you might be facing such a dilemma on the job and what to do with your job. Some of you might be so private you're thinking about, do I go back to school or do I drop out of school? Should I continue a relationship with this guy or gal or not? Should I even think about going into the, and moving to the mainland? I don't know what you might be facing today, but I know that you could be facing that. 
And some of you might be saying, no, I just have the regular things like where I'm going to eat after the meeting, today's service. And you might be thinking that. But do you know that all you are perhaps is one email away that you might be faced with another decision? You could be driving down the highway and just that quickly something could happen. I don't mean something horrible like an accident or something, but something happens with your car and boom, you've got to make a decision. Some of you will go home today, you'll get on your computer and it will crash and you'll lose everything and you've got some decisions that you have to make. Some of you might be in a relationship and you might come home this week and find a note on the refrigerator that your mate left you for someone else and you have to make a decision. Those are dramatic ones, I know. But at the same time, when those come to you, do you know what to do in that situation to be able to get the mind of God on it? And I'd like to share with you that there are some things that you might be able to do that will help you. How many of you recall that three or four weeks ago, I asked you to help me with a sermon, and this sermon particularly. I asked you to write down some of the decisions that you're facing and to give me permission to be able to share them. And so you wrote them down, and I have many cards here. Now, I'm not going to describe it so much just because it might be so personal with you, and I certainly won't mention your name. But for the rest of us, I want you to know that you're probably 18 inches away from someone who wrote a card just like this. And this is the decision that they're facing. And so today, they are going to lean into this message, into God's Word, so they'll learn how to face this decision with God's mind on it. Let me just read one to you, or a couple to you. This one says, I need to have God's wisdom because... I need to put together a retirement plan at the age of 40, but I'm still in debt, and I don't know what to do with that. Another one says, I have to make a decision here because I'm working on a particular brochure, but I need to know, is this what God wants me to do? Should I turn it into a Christian brochure to a particular ethnic group here on the island? This one says, I need to know when and should I move in with my elderly mother who has Alzheimer's, or should I have her live in an adult living center? Now, if that's you, I, I know that's a big dilemma. And those, the rest of you that aren't facing this, we know that if our parents are getting older, that the likelihood with Alzheimer's and other of those kind of sicknesses and illnesses, we might be facing that too. Here's one. says, I have a couple of cars and I need to know which one to keep, which one to sell and what I should do with them. And then to give advice to my son on a decision he has to make regarding a business arrangement. And this one here says relationship that I can have with my adult children that needs to be strengthened. I don't know how to do that, especially since one of them will give birth and I'll have a new grandchild and I don't know what boundaries to have. That's a struggle that they're facing. Just, just a couple more. This one says, I'm designing a new website and I need to know how to make it more valuable. What kind of information to put in this thing? Because it'll be basically a website that I'm going to have to live off of for my income in the future. And then finally, here's one that says, we're trying to decide where to have our baby in a hospital, or even at home. Now you can see, these are just some that I requested, and I can only imagine that there are some so private, but yet even larger perhaps than these that you're struggling with. And I can tell you that I stand before you with joy, letting you know that God has his mind on these issues written in paper here for you called the Bible. So I'm going to take this passage of Scripture from James, and I'll say very quickly that there are many different principles in the Bible, even beyond James, on decision-making. And although it goes much broader than James, what you're going to get out of James is maybe a baby step, but it's a step in the right direction on decision-making. And if you embrace this, you will have enough there to be able to help you make the right decision. So here are the three simple points. The first one is this. What's the problem? What's the problem when we have to make a decision? There are many different problems, but the one from this passage seems to indicate that it's indecisiveness or indecision. 
The problem simply is being indecisive. We get to a situation and we don't make a decision very quickly. Look at the verse. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, in the original language, that phrase double-minded means two-souled. It means that we're pulled in different directions. It means that we have divided loyalties, divided priorities. In other words, we think, well, I could do this. That sounds pretty good. Or I could do that. and That sounds pretty good. We really don't know what to do. We're faced with that kind of a dilemma. And that'll be facing us. Have you ever wondered why or what might cause us to be indecisive in our life? Well, one is, is because we have within us, those of you that know Christ will be very uh, quick to understand that in us, we have a heart or a part of our being that is deceitful and desperately wicked. And this particular heart, it's only bent on doing and thinking and being evil. Now, with that, we also have an outside negative force known as Satan, a real being. And Satan's desire is to do whatever he can to us to keep us from knowing and worshiping and obeying the Lord. So Satan then knows how to tempt us in our heart right here when we're facing a decision. And what he chooses is to use what is known as the world system out there that is contrary to God. So he then will parade the world system in front of us on how to get things or how to make a decision. So we go after all these other ways of decision making, all these other principles and practices that are away from God because once we're on that path and we take that path, then ends up we begin to crash and burn and our decisions aren't right. And if it's just a quick decision, that's no big deal. It's a lifestyle or a lifetime of consequences from that wrong decision. So it's coming from that direction. And those of you who know Christ as Savior, you also have been born again with a new nature inside of you. And this brand new nature now does war with your old nature, that sin nature. And so now Satan is now trying to draw you away over this direction to the world system. God and his word and his spirit is going to come alongside you and try to remind you that we need to go in the biblical worldview direction through scripture. But since you've trusted Christ to save you, you're caught off in between what path do I take? If you have that nature here that becomes out of control, you're in this direction. You get in this direction, you then go into the good direction. But often we're paralyzed here and we're kept from making that decision. And so what do we do with that? We'll learn about that in a moment. And then something that might not be quite as, as severe as that would be simply this. It's our personality style. Some people are the outgoing, task-oriented individual. They are easily to set goals. There's no problem with them being dominant, directed, decisive, and doers to get to that goal. And for them, it's easy for them to see a situation and boom, they can make a decision right then on the spot. You know anybody like that? They're the kind of person that when they go to the firing range, it's ready, shoot, aim. Did you catch that? And so they shoot and then later on they're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? Then you have the other personality style and they're the ones that are very careful and they're cautious. They don't want to make a mistake. They want to be correct. So they're very critical and analytical before they do something. And before they make a decision, they want to make sure they have all the facts and they wait. And when they go to the shooting range, it's ready, aim, aim. Aim, 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 aim. And then you want to say, just pull the trigger. And both of those can be just as dangerous. And that's why God says your answer to those dilemma would be found in God's word. Well, maybe some of you could remember years ago that there was a favorite children's author. His name was Theodore Gazelle or Geisel. Some of you say, I never heard of that guy before. Have you ever heard of Dr. Seuss? How many have ever heard of Dr. Seuss? 
He wrote a particular poem that was very cute that is still facing us today when we're caught between making a decision and we don't know which road to go. And so he wrote the poem called The Zode in the Road. And I've asked my little brother to come and share that poem with you, The Zode in the Road, on the dilemma of not knowing what to do when you're faced with a particular decision. So Cole, would you share with us this wonderful poem, Zode in the Road? The Zode in the Road by Dr. Seuss. Did I tell you before about the Zode who came to two signs at a fork in the road? One said to place one and the other place two, and the Zode had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zode scratched his head, his chin, and his pants, and he said to himself, I'm taking a chance. If I go to place one, it may be too hot. And how do I know if I'll like it or not? Place two must be the best. On the other hand, I'd be some sort of fool if I go to place two and find it too cool. In that case, I might catch a chill and turn blue. So maybe place one is the best, and not two. On the other hand, though, if place one is too high, I might get a terrible earache and die. On the other hand, though, if place two is too low, I might get some strange pain in my toe. <laughs> it, place one must be the best. And he started to go. Then he stopped, and he said, On the other hand, the other hand, the other hand, though, and for 36 hours and a half, that poor Zode made starts and stops at the fork in the road, saying, Don't take that chance. It might not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright. Safe, cried the Zode, I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start out for both places at once. <laughs> and that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, got no place at all with a split in his pants. Thank you very much, Cole. God bless you, my dear brother. Well, I know that might be a little bit humorous, but some of us might have been there. I had a friend tell me a story about another friend who was going to the mainland and they were going skiing and they wanted to get the best skis. And he was of the personality style that he decided that he's going to do all the research he could to find out where to get the best skis at the right price so he would then have the best skiing experience of his life. It took him an entire year to finally decide on the internet which would be the set of skis that he would order then so he could go skiing. And when he did, he found out that they ceased manufacturing those skis six months earlier because he waited too long. So it can happen with us. So indecisiveness can be a real danger to us. But sometimes when we get into this indecisive mode, it can affect relationships. If you notice what the Bible says, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And it's not merely about do I decide a pepperoni on my pizza or do I get cheese in my pizza. We're talking often about what should I really do for the Lord. And this is the kind of Christian that they want to move in one direction for God and then they also want to move in another direction for themselves. More descriptive could be something like this. A Christian who isn't totally sold out for the Lord, allowing God to be the ruler in his life as a Christian now, he's now faced with this dilemma. He's kind of wishy-washy about that. 
So he hears about his friends going and doing things, and so he wants to be with his friends that are really not of the same biblical-mindedness of loving God. So he goes with his friends, and while he's with his friends, they do certain things that aren't really as wise. And while he's there, he's having a little bit of fun with his friends, but the Spirit of God is letting him know, oh, that's really not, you really, this isn't really where you ought to be. So the guy isn't really enjoying with his friends as much as he thought he would. So then he comes over, perhaps he goes to church, and he says, there's a bunch of people that want me to be at church. My mate wants me to be there. I should be there. If I don't go to church, I'll get a call from the pastor, so I better be at church. So now that person comes to church, and while he's there, he's not as happy as he is either because he's wishing he could be at the other place. And so now he is unstable in all his ways. So what does this instability create? In what areas we might see that? Here's number one, in our emotions. When we become very unstable, then we do things in our life, our emotions get all torn up, and we have a real issue going on. So emotionally, by instability, we then are not very calm. One person once said this, that often we spend more energy in a paralyzed situation without going anywhere because we haven't decided that whatever decision we make, it's going to honor the Lord. So we spend more energy and emotions. William James said this, he said, the most miserable person in the world is the person who is habitually indecisive. And on a humorous note, a guy went to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist says, are you indecisive? And the guy says, well, yes and no. What do you mean by that? Well, I used to be, but now I'm not so sure. So you can see indecisiveness might be some of you, but emotionally, you're not really moving forward. It actually can work against you, and you have a sense of depression because you know you're not moving forward, and you know you should, but you don't know really what you want to do because it's going to cost you something when you do, and there's a fear factor. It also will make unstable relationships. If you're a parent and you don't know how to take a stand on how to rear your kids according to biblical principles, then at one time you're going to let them do something that would be wrong, and other times you're, you're, you're griping at them because they're not doing something that is right. And so now you're sending a mixed message to your kids, and so the kids are wondering, where's mom and dad? One minute they're talking about the Lord, quoting the Bible at me, the next minute I hear them cursing and doing other things. So that parent is unstable in all their ways. And now that's breaking down a relationship. It happens in a marriage. When the husband and wife are not fully committed to Christ, then you don't have stable communication. Therefore, you don't have a stable relationship because really the rock in a relationship is Jesus Christ. And the rock is going to be God's word here. So again, instability will wreck emotions and it also wrecks relationships. But it also does this. It'll play havoc in your spiritual life. Look at the verse. It says, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Here it is. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I find people that haven't fully sold out for God when they face a decision and try to make the decision based upon what would God want me to do. What happens then is that they don't always get their prayers answered because sometimes they're asking the Lord for something to consume it upon their own lust. Listen very carefully. I was asked recently by someone, a very genuine question, I'm making a decision. What, what are some of the processes that you go through and you make, make a decision? I want you to know that sometimes it doesn't boil down to, should I get a blue car or a green car or a white car? The question might be, should I buy a car at all? And so now, what do I do in my mind? How, how, do, how do I do this? The formula is so simple, but some people are looking for the exact word. They want God to speak to them audibly about what they should do. It's not going to happen that way. God is going to give you the freedom to live your life with the free will that you have before him based on the choices that you make in applying his word. So in decision making, 
Here's what you might do. As you're facing that decision, first of all, ask yourself what you want to do, where you want to go, what you want to be, or what you want to have. Is any part of that driven by selfishness, ego, or pride? Having this, will it make you look like you are somebody great? Will it look like you have something special, that you are better than someone? Is it driven by pride in any way? Secondly, by me doing this or having this, will it cost money? And if it does, is it the wisest use of my money because the money that I have have been given to me by the Lord and I'm to manage it? Is this how he would want me to spend it? For example, even more. On a particular event, should I go and do this fun event when I still owe someone else money? So in doing that, what I'm doing is I'm taking someone else's money that I owe them, but I'm spending it on this over here that I want to do because I like doing it. So again, is that biblical or not? Then you ask yourself, by doing this, in some measure, will God's kingdom either be built or would God be glorified? Now, that doesn't mean that everything you do, everything you have, that you have to then write John 3.16 on it or jump on a table at a luau and scream the gospel at everybody. But it does mean, by doing this, in some measure, is the kingdom of God being built up. Another question, by having this or doing this or going there, will this in some way build me up before the Lord? I don't mean in pride now, but will I grow? Will it add to my maturity? Another question, if I'm doing whatever I'm doing, is this going to take away time from something else that I really need to be doing? Am I taking my time to have this and will it cost me more? I got thinking for Stan and Carol Ponds. I think I'd like to have a boat. Whether it's a motorboat or a sailboat, I think I'd like to have a boat. I think it'd be kind of neat to go out on the boat. But when I go to bed at night and the dust settles on the end of my life, as my head is on the pillow, I start realizing that boat is nothing more than a hole in the ocean that I'll dump money in. I don't have time to use the boat, keep up the boat. I can't afford the boat. I owe some money on certain things that I'm trying to invest in and get done, finish up obligations that I have. For me, having a boat would not be good. For you, that'd be a great thing to do. The bottom line is I have to seek God. Is this something that God wants me to do that'll bring glory to him? And finally, the last is this. By doing, going, having, or purchasing, could other brothers and sisters in Christ stumble or would the lost look upon that and know that I'm a Christian and they would then question my Christian belief system by doing that? So all of that, very simply stated, is not going to tell you whether you buy a pink car, blue car, yellow car, but the principles are much deeper than that. Is it growing us and is God getting the glory? And am I able to take other people with me to God's glory by having, doing, going, being, all of those things? So again, when I'm unstable in my commitment to Christ on those principles, it's going to show in my emotions. It's going to show in my relationships. And it's going to show in my walk with the Lord that some days I'll be hot for God and other days I'll be not for God. And it's the choice that we can really make. Pilgrim's Progress talks about a man in there and he was called Mr. Facing Both Ways. I wonder how many Christians face the cross one day on Sunday and then they face the world on Monday. I, I don't know. I'm just asking you to, for a moment there. When you make a decision to make it simple, make it based on, is this really for God's glory or not? Well, that's the problem is indecision. But I want to get right to the solution because some of you are saying, yeah, I know that's the problem. I know that's, that's the issue I'm dealing with. But what do I do to try to bring this about to make the right decision? There's just three practical steps. Here's number one. Admit your need. Admit the fact that, hey, I, I need God's wisdom on this thing. So what's the solution? Getting wisdom. 
I need to have God's mind on this. And God wants to speak to me through his book. So I have to admit that I have a need. Look at the verse. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, I chuckle at that. It's like, really? If any of you lack wisdom? I'd say we all lack wisdom. We all need to have more wisdom. I need to have more wisdom. Now, if you would look up here for a moment, I'm going to use my two hands. One hand is going to represent knowledge, and the other hand is going to represent wisdom. Now, they're both in the same camp because truly you can't have wisdom without knowledge. But at one time, you can have knowledge, though, without wisdom. Knowledge is the acquiring of accurate truth or facts. That's knowledge. So you can even have accurate truth or facts about the Bible. You can accumulate a lot of knowledge. Having knowledge actually can work against us in the sense that the more we know, we could be prideful about what we know because now what we know, we can use it as a weapon or we could use it as a toy to play with, manipulate other people, whatever. So knowledge can also work against us because it builds us up often because we have the knowledge. Now, the difference with wisdom, though, is wisdom is knowledge applied. So wisdom is knowledge with its working clothes on. And so it's a way to think from a biblical perspective. I was talking to a, an, a father who had an adult son, an adult single son, not in our church here, so I don't want you to think about anybody, but it was outside our church. And he was sharing with me about how his son is a good boy. His son doesn't get involved in the vices of the world. His son, at the same time, listens consistently to some of great Bible teachers, deep Bible teachers, accurate Bible teachers. And he listens to them as often as he's driving in his car. He has it on in his house. So he's getting his great knowledge. But yet the father hung his head and said, as nice as my boy is, my boy, though, is not reaching out and sharing the simple message of salvation at all with anyone, engaged with no one on the journey of faith, is not involved in any way the body of Christ on a Sunday. I do not know him to worship the Lord, but he has tremendous amount of knowledge. So I'm not putting down knowledge. What I am doing is putting up the importance of having wisdom. And we won't have that wisdom until we really ask God to reveal that truth to us for the purpose of applying it to our life. So we need to really admit that we really need it. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.